0: back to there's always another podcast a brandon sanderson reading and rereading podcast as always i'm justin and i am joined by
1: meal prep Beth.
0: i don't know sam (laughs) and i'm caleb all right we are (laughs) here once again uh we are preparing to do some podcasting before the incoming snow buries us (laughs) <laughs> Though that, that will leave you in a good situation to just sit down and read a book, if that's, that's the that's case. That's good
2: reading weather, yeah. Mm. This is the first I'm hearing of this impending storm.
0: Oh no. <laughs>
2: that's bad because you're going to get it first. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah, we are continuing on through the Way of Kings. We're solidly in the middle of part two here. Uh, with a a variety of chapters and yeah, a couple of them that I think are going to be real uh, real interesting to dig into. Yeah,
2: I, at no point in this reading was I like dragging my feet trying to get through it. Like chapter nineteen, I just whipped through, and I mm-hmm. took I took as many notes as usual, but I just ripped through it because it was so good.
0: Yeah, we uh, we covered chapters nineteen through twenty-two today, uh, which gives us a. Uh, We've got uh, a couple of uh, Dalinar, a couple of Kaladin, uh, another flashback, uh, but we start off with something that is, is also a bit different. It's, it's not a flashback because that's, uh, those are reserved for Kaladin in this book, uh, but chapter 19 is definitely not the, uh, the kind of present storyline, as it were. So let's go ahead and take a look at that, uh, although before we do, we do have to check in with our, uh, our ongoing letter. Uh, which we had some uh some kind of follow-up discussion last week on the way that these epigraphs are progressing uh, because some of the stuff in here was uh things that that brandon had told fans that you have figured it out before the kind of like full on-page confirmation uh so we'll we'll keep going with this and we'll see like what we can actually dig out of it but uh I think there's still some, some interesting stuff in this week's set. Oh, yeah. This one mentioning that uh, uh, Race, who we, we learned about last week, uh, apparently holds the most frightening and terrible of all the shards. Uh, and uh, the, the writer here is uh, kind of admonishing the, the letters recipient uh, about their, their plan of non-intervention uh, and says Race will not be holding back in that same way.
3: the tone here is definitely taking a a turn because at at the beginning you get the feeling like okay these people probably are actually friends and you get the feeling that like okay they're in an argument they're not agreeing with each other but they still probably like each other and now we get you old reptile and it's like really roasting the guy getting the letter um and uh and we also get the feeling that like oh it's because this is a matter of very big importance and as the next couple of graphs show yeah yeah really really big importance probably (laughs)
0: Yeah, this is uh this is an important issue, and uh, the the beginning of the letter, like again, reading it a chapter at a time obviously kind of distracts things from there. But uh, this is the important part here. We've we've gotten to it. Uh, going into chapter nineteen itself, uh, I'm curious from from Caleb and Sam. We've had this kind of in world debate on Delinar has supposedly been seeing these visions. They're either. some some sort of divine message or they're you know just a a, a product of his mind uh did you expect that we would actually see one of them kind (laughs) of yeah
3: especially (laughs) how how the last chapter ended i i figured okay this might be setting us up to to get the the pov um but this was a lot more i that's one of those i will admit i kind of thought i'd get one but i thought it would be like the size of chapter 20 I thought it would be Mm -hmm. like a pretty short here's a flash of something and to be fair I think Dalinar even points out like oh this one's a lot more in depth than this than it usually is um but yeah I was I, I think I was kind of expecting it but I didn't expect it to uh go on for this long and have this much detail there was a lot of juicy stuff in here
0: yeah we are uh we're we're resuming kind of immediately after uh, chapter 18 ended as the storm began and th- this vision began, uh, and Dalinar finds himself in uh, an unknown place, and he has to kind of try to piece together what exactly is going on, uh, which is made more complicated by, uh, as he realizes, as as it seems to to happen uh, from time to time, he has kind of taken the place of someone in this scene. And the other people in this vision are 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 seeing whoever he kind of normally is. And so he has to like figure out where he is, what's going on, and also who people think he is, which doesn't make things easy. <laughs> they made a show about this in the eighties. I mean they, they did. did Quantum Leap. Yeah,
2: Qu- yeah. I, I got ah, it. I got it. Yeah. Except that one didn't have uh glowy stones
0: no this was uh this was quite different yeah
1: (laughs) yeah that's the only difference between these two things
0: (laughs) and the uh the situation he has found himself in is that uh he's in kind of a a small farm uh, and there's a, a young girl here who is apparently his daughter in this vision and they are immediately attacked by some strange and monstrous creatures and that becomes uh, the priority for a, a good uh, a good portion of this this chapter is do not get killed by this mysterious kind of void creature.
2: <laughs> I was anxious the whole time I was reading this, not just from what was going on on page, but from from what I imagine was happening in the barracks while this is happening
3: yeah i i figured we do kind of get the the revelation that like yes he's going through the same motions in the barracks as he is in the dream and i figured that might be the case so i had a very similar thing of like oh yeah if he's swinging a sword around that could that could be bad
1: yeah yeah
2: (laughs) Yeah. there's one where like he makes contact with one of these things and it's like it felt much softer than it should have like oh Oh, yeah,
0: hopefully, uh, hopefully that feeling is just in the vision too and is not being uh, referred from from reality. <laughs> this, is a, this is a cool fight though. And we've heard that Delinar is, is this legendary warrior and we definitely saw him uh, do some very impressive things against the Chasm Fiend. Uh, but since then, there's been a lot of talk about, you know, he's, he's lost his touch. He, he's not the man that he was. Uh, but this is just him in this random situation that he was not prepared for with a fireplace poker. And he makes a pretty good show of himself here.
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah, it is it it is an impressive balance that Brandon pulls with, and he's done this with other fight scenes before, but first it's just Dalinar and then this one beast. And even that, it's like, ooh, I don't know who's going to win. And then he finally wins. And it's like, okay, now fight two of them. Okay, now i fight five of them. And eventually it does become overwhelming, but the action is described in such a way that I'm still able to buy into, yes, one on its own was already really hard, but also Dalinar is such a badass that he is able to fend them off for a good chunk of time, Mm -hmm. uh,
2: even when they start multiplying. Fight well enough to impress people in power armor that gets damaged (laughs) by these things.
1: Yeah, and he's fighting against, like... These feel like some of the more, like magical world tm things that we have seen so far like obviously roshar is not earth everything is crab but in a way like carcinization is a thing everything could eventually be crab everything could not eventually be whatever the fuck these are yeah
3: yeah they they give off um uh uh, like the twilight creatures from twilight princess is Mm -hmm. what my brain kept going to yeah Um. with the smoke yeah, and they just, it just doesn't feel right. I I, yeah. I think it, it's, they're described in a very uh, good way of communicating that, like, oh, yeah, these are, these are not good. These, these were not blessed by Jesus.
0: <laughs> uh, there is no almighty here.
1: This <laughs> is not a place of honor. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing of honor here, yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: that is much funnier. I'm going to bring that up later, like <laughs> 10 episodes later um yeah. <laughs> yeah he uh he he makes a uh, quite a stand here with just kind of whatever weapons he can grab around i like the the details and we'll we'll gradually see more of this over the course of the series but it talks about uh the the sword fighting stances that he's been trained in and how uh he he prefers wind stance it's his his go-to style uh, but he he fights this battle with smoke stance because it is more suited uh, to an, an improvised or an imperfect weapon uh, like the uh, the fire poker that he has here instead of his actual shard blade. It's fascinating so. stuff. Well yeah, as uh, the the kind of first uh, he he does manage to actually get to a a break in the battle where he he fights off these creatures takes some some pretty bad wounds in the meantime but manages to to save uh the girl and the woman who are here and then has to like he has to simultaneously get people to safety and like they're not out of danger yet he has to keep going this but now he does have to just kind of bullshit his way through this vision because like this this woman is talking to him and knows who he is and is referring to him by name and he uh has he, he he says, you know, get the girl, woman? To which she responds, <laughs> Our daughter, cely <laughs> the one we named,
3: also, woman, yeah. That's, yeah, that's how you're talking to me.
0: And
1: uh, yeah, <laughs> and then there's the immediate, I hit my head, where's so, the river?
3: <laughs> sorry, I don't know, just I pretended I didn't say anything, I'm very confused, I don't know what's going on. Talk to me like you've never seen me before in your life. Don't worry about
0: why. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, not like, not just the exact circumstance and these creatures uh, are unusual, but but simple things like he asks if they can find a cellar, you know, some sort of of man made cave in the rock, and that's a baffling concept. You know how would how would people dig something out of the rock, so. Who knows when and where we are, much less, you know, how and why.
2: That feels like a pretty foundational human discovery.
1: Yeah,
3: pick, pickaxe is like one of the first things you build in Minecraft. I feel like they'd at least have that much down.
1: <laughs> the the rock-solid anthropologic source <laughs> in Minecraft.
0: But uh, yeah, they, they try to, to strike off to safer, uh, a safer location. And they don't get very far before the uh, the creatures return, and even worse this time. And and this is uh this is not going to be something that even the the impressive Dalinar that we've seen is not going to be able to manage this one. Uh and then the day is saved by uh people wearing shard plate, wielding shard blades, and Seems like another level on top of what we've seen from you know Dalinar and Adolin.
1: This
0: is you know they they fly in from above, they lay waste to these creatures. One of them heals Dalinar. Like this, this is a rescue from like magic powered warriors.
2: It's a pretty like classic like literal original Deus Ex Machina because that. <laughs> that was literally like right um, you know back in the in the greek play days uh a, a device would come down from heaven and resolve the plot and here's this device or from heaven being in the script but also literally from the from the top of the stage right just to yeah <laughs> send, take care of everything yeah
3: yeah, it just kind of orbital drop in, which is rad. <laughs> um, a, another impressive thing is I thought of like, I had two thoughts of, ooh, it'd be cool if this was happening. And then I experienced the disappointment of, okay, that's not what this is. And still by the end of the chapter I was like, that was still really awesome though. Because we, again, we have no idea when this is happening. Um, so for a second, it was like something fell out of the sky. And I was, because we know all these planets we think maybe all these planets are inhabited by a shard of some sort and so part of me was like "Ooh, is he getting this vision because it's like the origin of magic arriving on the planet and that's what just landed and then i found it's a person i was like okay no it's a person and Then i went "Ooh, it might be a herald and then now it's not a herald but it is a night radiant um and they uh they they kick some ass, so I they I, sure do. I left left the chapter still few. I'm like, yeah, a lot of rad shit happened there. That's fine.
0: <laughs> yeah, these uh these two people arrive. They completely turn the fight, uh, and then there's actually some time to kind of regroup and and figure out what happens now. And Dalinar, uh he still can't exactly place this, but he does recognize. Uh, you know, the the symbol of the Knights Radiant on their armor. Uh, they they talk about these historic things. Uh, they talk about going to the, the city of Eurythiru. Uh, they they offer that he should join. They said his uh, fighting style is unconventional, but certainly effective. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Delinar has to kind of try to figure out the, the historic context here because this is apparently quite some time ago maybe
2: I mean it is far enough back for him to not know to not understand what year it is
0: right it is a completely different calendar and you know like maybe Yasna would know or be able to look up how this actually translates but uh, yeah uh, 8th epic 337 no idea
1: what does that mean, thinks Dalinar?
3: <laughs> You'd think he would at least know the concept of there being epics. The fact that his, his response yeah. to hearing that is, what does that mean? I was like, all right, come on, <laughs> p- piece it together a little bit. Um, But yeah, trying to piece, like, where these guys fit in the lore is really interesting. Because like you mentioned, he recognizes the pattern, and it's described as the stylized double eye, eight spheres connected with two at the center, which sounds vaguely similar to the eyeball staring at us at the beginning of every chapter but it's not eight different spheres it is just double eye and then there are eight it looks like eight lines coming away from the eye so presumably that is like connected in some way but it doesn't seem to be the exact thing being described here and then we also get the natan natan name drop which if we look all the way back to our our silver kingdoms epic map um is listed there so not that we have too much information on the Silver Kingdoms, but that at least is something.
0: <laughs> well, while we're, uh, we're looking back to the, the Silver Kingdoms map, uh, you can actually check immediately next to it. If you take a look at the, the 10 largest symbols with the main kind of colored patterns in them, there is your, your double eye with the the eight on the sides and the two in the center.
3: Oh shit, I never would have gotten that. Oh, that's really interesting. Oh, that's cool.
0: <laughs> yeah, all the, the kind of intermediate symbols do make it a little a little tricky to see. But yeah, there is uh there's your double eye.
3: Oh, the intermediate ten symbols you mean, Justin? I'm seeing I'm seeing the numbers. I don't know what they mean, but I see them. <laughs> there's a lot of tens here.
1: Pointing at the pushpins! Pointing at the pushpins!
2: And the knights say, come to Urethiru, you know, the mountain in Australia, the comms officer.
0: (laughs) I mean, it is a place that he's only vaguely heard of, uh, which is is tricky for someone in Dalinar's political position. He he should know know, a large city that supports this magical force. I mean he's yeah he's he's looking or he's trying to piece together like the the names of the kingdoms uh but uh Yurithiru, he is uh, kind of drawing a blank on he tries to get some uh, some more information out of uh, one of the knights here who is is talking about uh their kind of mission and and mentions that they are uh, they are the ones who are are kind of they are responsible for uh the the potentially terrible task of the ones who kill to protect they they're the ones who have taken that duty uh and are going to try to uh to help others through the desolation uh which is a thing that Dalnar knows something about has he- has heard things about and asks if uh if that's what they're they're fighting and they say oh no 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 these aren't these aren't void bringers uh these were just the midnight essence thanks other shit. yeah the, the
1: what
2: <laughs> don't worry about it they're dead now
1: that's true it's fine. <laughs>
2: that sounds like the name of a trucker's cologne
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
3: what
0: you the are hell? unfortunately correct <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah that uh that discussion wraps up there are uh there are other battles to be fought so the uh, the the knights run off to do some more heroics, and uh, Dalinar is is trying to uh, kind of regroup and figure out what happens next. When uh, things shift slightly, and we again have people or or forces or whatnot uh, taking over someone else's position, because Taffa, the woman in the vision, uh, is now speaking with a a completely different voice, which is a voice that he's heard in every one of these visions. And this is kind of the I guess the epilogue to this vision. And this is this is some something greater. This is what Dalinar has been hearing trying to tell him that he's they're trying to warn Dalinar about something. He needs to unite them. And it's it's not really clear enough for what Dalinar wants but this is uh this is what we have because uh he he says you know you need to unite them Dalinar does get one one question he's like okay this i i can't get much here but i'm gonna ask you should i trust sadius Uh, says yes this is important uh act with honor and that's it there there's uh there's no more questions to be answered uh, he returns to to the present to being awake. Has been is now back in the barracks. Has been thrashing around during this, and has to kind of try to to wrap that wrap that up and tell everyone he's okay, and go on with uh, with the evening. Carry on, everybody. <laughs> Anyways,
2: <laughs> moving on. Um, <laughs> I think it's I think it's great that um, or this probably isn't what's happening but I like to pretend that maybe this is a back to the future moment where like Sadius is like secretly like you remember like um uh Marty's dad right gets woken up by Marty in the crazy alien outfit that the hazmat outfit and he plays v- Van Halen to like freak him out like he's a visitor from the future and then he like I don't fucking remember he tells him something <laughs> It tells him, I'm Darth Vader. That's the, the, <laughs> that I is part that. of it. Yeah. That what is part of it. But it's, <laughs> but it's also, it's, you know, it's got the the other lessons of like, drink your milk or whatever the fuck. Um, and this is, uh, this is that. This is Sadius just being like, hey, trust Sadius. Can't tell you more, bye. <laughs> that would be a
0: problem.
3: Yeah, I don't want to draw too many conclusions, but Mistborn taught me maybe you don't always listen to the voices in your head
0: yeah yeah and it's it's tricky because we as the readers also have this this question of uh, do we do we trust what Dalinar is seeing and now that we've seen it uh, to me at least on my first time through that was pretty convincing you know, I, it's at this point I do not think that I thought it was you know just a some sort of, of thing that is entirely just like Del are getting old and his mind going. Uh, but as you point out, just because it is an actual outside influencing thing does not mean that it is good. and and that is uh, definitely still an open question.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting that he's fully aware that he is in a vision. And there's a few times where he's like, I know I'm actually just, like, on the floor of the barracks, and I'm probably thrashing around, but I can't not take action. I have to do something. Mm-hmm. And so that that sort of divide between knowing that it may be causing him problems, or just, like, being generally aware of, like, this is a hallucination, and I know that. I think that's very interesting.
3: I think it's also interesting to think about, like, okay, is it an actual vision or is this a memory and if so did dalinar like over like we've talked about time travel's not real but is it time travel if you're just like if it's just your consciousness magically going back and did dalinar overwrite what happened here or in real life did heb suddenly become possessed with some inexplicable person who can fight really well mm. and have knowledge he shouldn't have and not had knowledge he should have uh, it's 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 interesting to wonder if these really are just visions or if there is a true connection tying into the past like very directly i don't know it's it's weird it's interesting
0: definitely something that we are going to uh need to to figure something more out about or maybe dalinar can can talk to some people who might be able to help him with that uh, but those uh, those people might be difficult for him to find so we'll we'll see uh, we go then to chapter 20 uh, which is the shortest chapter in the entire book and I think it's a really good one. Yeah. This is basically a single scene. This is a Kaladin flashback and he he has arrived uh, on the, the scene of an accident. There's a, a five-year-old girl who has fallen and has gotten quite severely injured and he is He's ready to take action. He's been training with his father. He can he knows the things to do. He can he he can stop the bleeding and, and try to keep her safe until his father can help. And it's not enough. She dies there. And then the the one other part of this scene is Kaladin's father trying to to reassure him that you did things correctly. You, you, your training was well applied. She didn't make it, but that's not, that's not your failing. And you need to remember that. And you need to keep working on this. And, and that's a thing that you're going to have to learn to be a surgeon. And that's the whole chapter. And I just, I think they're really good scenes.
1: Yeah. There's something about how short this chapter is and just how it's just such a condensed punch <laughs> right in the gut. It's very effective. And, and good to know that at least we have consistency and that Kaladin has always been having a bad time.
3: Oh yeah, I definitely made the connection here of um, that one time on the battlefields, or maybe in the slave wagon at some point, of Kaladin having flashes of um, the slaves who got killed because of him, and Tien, and a little girl in a pile of blood. I I... I'm Mm -hmm. assuming that this is what that's referring to, which is great, great, great times for all. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think this chapter is really effective. I think the, 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 it's also a very, I think, authentic to being a surgeon of, you have to accept that sometimes, even if you do everything right, you might not always save a life, which is a terrible thing, but it is a fact that, people in that profession have to get used to um and i think it's presented in a very realistic straightforward manner here um if i can lighten the mood slightly i do want to point out i understand that it's a very easy source for rags and bandages this is like the third or fourth time someone has seen someone get hurt and immediately ripped their shirt off like that's (laughs) that's the go-to move in this book It, it is a little funny that that keeps happening over and over
2: Wait, you don't remember learning that and responding to emergencies? That's that step zero. Rip shirt off. When you, then assess, when the you, scene. assess the when scene. You, when you see an emergency happen, strip off your shirt and sprint toward it.
1: <laughs> no, is the scene safe? You don't know. Wait.
2: Wait, my shirt. Who needs it?
3: <laughs> you, rip your shirt off. Don't tell the whole crowd for someone to rip their shirt off. Point at someone and say, you rip your shirt off.
1: And someone else, heat up a knife, specifically a knife, in a fire. <laughs> I, again, it's a convenient, like, source of metal with a handle on it so you can handle it without burning yourself. But it's just always shirt off, knife in fire, girl dead.
2: <laughs> I do like, though, I don't know if I like it or if I just find it weird that they knew to heat up a knife. Because all he, all he asked for is fire, and then they give him a hot knife. Yeah. I'm like, all right. All right. I guess Liren's, you know, giving him a bit of a primer here. The crowd, the town, mm-hmm. is used, to, yeah, is used I, to the
0: RTE plan. Yeah, they, that's, they've they taken true, responding yeah. to emergencies.
2: Yeah. I
3: assume that it's just if there is a large crowd, at least one of them will go, yeah, the fire's for the knife. That's <laughs> He's not saying that for no reason. <laughs> he's um, cold. I, love, I don't know if this is what you meant, but the, saying he's cold in this chapter implying that... That's not for the patient Kaladin is just feeling cold Because he ripped his shirt off Because he, he doesn't, doesn't have a shirt off, off. Exactly. Yeah, it all checks out
2: Exactly Exactly We've,
1: we've connected the dots, Brandon <laughs> Uh,
3: Mia Saul is dead
0: <laughs> Yeah, uh, I, I think we've covered this chapter
2: <laughs> We've talked about it longer than it's talked about itself
3: I have more to yell about if we want to get into these fucking headings with the faces. There's this time for maybe the first time in part two, I can't even keep track of anymore. It's the same face. It's just the one face. And I figured at least for part two, it's like if there's a change in perspective, that's why there will only be two or one. But there was only one perspective with Dalinar and he got two faces last chapter. Now there's just the one. What's the logic? Why is it the way that it is? It's got to mean something. It might mean nothing. <laughs> it
0: is one of Isaac. those two possibilities.
1: Tell us your secrets.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we will we'll continue on uh, to Chapter 21. We'll return to the present uh, and see uh, what Kaladin is dealing with in the present day. Uh, back to the present means we are back to the epigraphs. Uh, where we have another uh, cosmere finger pointing uh, because uh, this one mentions cell, uh, which is where Elantris takes place mm-hmm. And uh, we'll see in chapter 22 what uh, what happened there because uh, that's that's interesting that this person knows that. Uh, but we'll get to that. We are back to to Kaladin here uh, and it is. Uh, the day after the the previous bridge run where he actually did save a couple of lives uh, but it is it is still the life of a bridgeman and he is still incredibly sore and exhausted uh, and it it's it's hard to get up in the morning and i really like the uh I, i i like the fact that when he finally does get up uh, he notices that some of the other bridgemen have been looking at him and he says, they were looking to see if I would get up because if I didn't, then why should they? You know, what what good is any of this? But I'm getting up, damn it. And so we all should.
2: Nice. <laughs> he finds the strength.
0: I also like that part of the way that he finds the strength is he's thinking about uh, have who I'm presuming was a, uh, a, like a a drill sergeant or something of his at some point in, in the army uh, and says, have still getting me up out of bed even now, however many years later. I like that.
3: (laughs) Yeah. I was going to say, I don't think we've seen that name, but I, I, that was kind of my assumption as well. Of like, okay, that was some asshole in the past who Made sure Mm -hmm. he got up (laughs) on on time.
0: But uh, yeah, it Kaladin is still both a, a bridge man and, a surgeon of some sort uh, because he he brought these people home from the last bridge run but now they they still need care so he's got to go check on them and uh and see if it's i guess i guess if it's going to be worth it we uh we check in with leighton who was quite severely wounded uh and is has still definitely not recovered, but is alive, which is is something given the state he was in. Haber is is doing quite well, and uh, and says thank you for saving my life, which I think might be the first time that's happened for kaladin in a long while. So that uh, that has to feel good. And then Dabid, who in the last chapter we saw didn't seem to be physically injured, at least not to the extent of the other two. Uh, but was suffering some sort of shock uh, is still not in good shape and is, is still not, uh, not quite responding, Uh, but he is here. And so we'll, we'll see if, if he can make progress there. I feel
2: like Caleb and I can both weigh in on the uh, rot spren here, which is very strange. Um, I caught it and I know Caleb has been more more skeptical than I have, um, but calden says uh we don't want to attract any rot spren do they cause rot or do they appear when rot is near like is this just a scientifically slow world where they think that smells cause disease or whatever or is this a world where every other spren every other spren just appears when a condition is met except for rot spren if it's the latter then that is dumb and weird and inconsistent
3: i i think there's a little i think i've i've had i have i've definitely had thoughts about this i'm looking through my notes because um, i feel like when we had our first scene with liran one of our first flashbacks um yeah okay so 153 we get um you can see the effect it has on rot with your own eyes even if death spread cannot be seen and i think i had the thought of like i are these just germs like what what exactly is this if it means that like yeah rot spren are things you need to keep away are they the cause of it or are they uh, uh, um just a, a symptom of it i like yeah i i think it's a very interesting point because yeah all the other spren just seem to show up when the relevant thing is nearby music spren don't cause music they show up at music um so yeah i don't i don't really know Uh, I don't have an answer to the question, but I've been having, I've, 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 I've had, I've had, I've been having the thoughts and the questions. Maybe it's kind of a, here, I was just thinking about this. In episode one, they're like, midi-chlorians give you the force. And I, and a lot of other Star Wars fans said, that's dumb, but I would accept it if midi-chlorians are just a force indicator. If you have a lot of midi-chlorians, that happens because you have the force, not the other way around. Um so maybe it's just you know, if you see rot spren, it means it's rotting, so you need to be cleaning it more. I that that kinda of, it might be as simple as that, but I don't really know.
0: So I won't answer your question uh <laughs> on which way it is. I will tell you though, at least one person in world asks this question at some point. So you have that to to look forward to. Okay.
3: All right can't wait for the answer of, I don't know. (laughs) Something.
2: Oh, and then Sadius continues to be a shithead. Oh, as always. God damn it. (laughs) Why are surgeons not allowed to help Bridgman even if they have money? Why are you impeding the flow of commerce, Sadius?
0: (laughs) Come on, at least do a capitalism.
2: Speaking of capitalism, I love that
3: Kaladin at first is super angry at the apothecary, and then he goes... (sighs) there's no ethical consumption the apothecary <laughs> needs to make money too
0: <laughs> there was uh there's another podcast that i listened to that uh th- they talk about uh, magic the gathering uh and for two episodes in a row now uh they have begun a discussion on hey this is a new thing that Watsy is doing and we might not like it and the end conclusion of this has of this discussion has been it's capitalism's fault.
3: <laughs> I don't know if the Pinkertons were capitalism's fault, but uh, you know,
0: I mean, I, I'm not going to get into that right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, the really the only thing Kaladin has here is to just try to continue and push on. Uh, you know, he he's he's a bridge man. He doesn't really have. The freedom to do anything else Uh, but he's started this thing where he's going to try to to do his workouts and improve himself and hope that he can convince some of the the crew to join in but yeah it's uh it's back to to the workout this morning and during the workout he gets a a good chance to just kind of talk to thin air uh with Syl there uh, and it's a good conversation. I like this one.
3: Yeah, yeah, I've I've talked a lot about how this feels very guts and puck from Berserk. This is uh, a friendship speed run, if that is the comparison point I keep using, because uh, it takes those the the Berserk pair a while to actually like each other, and they're like you can tell these two are really enjoying each other's company. They're friends. They're they're having fun talking yeah. to each other.
0: Yeah, uh, and uh, Syl gets to get a little philosophical again. Uh, I love her interpretation of how how madness works, uh, because she has to get Kaladin to explain what madness is, and he's not very well equipped to uh, to kind of define this. Uh, and he, and he says, "I guess it's it's when you're you're thinking different from everyone else around you." And Syl says, "What do you vote on it?" <laughs> Which I just love the concept of.
1: Yeah, <laughs> the council has decided.
0: <laughs> we have voted on objective reality, and everyone who lost the vote is has gone crazy.
2: <laughs> yeah, you know, it's what is madness when people don't think right? Like when they hallucinate fairies.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> it's a kind of madness.
0: But uh, yeah, Cal, uh, as usual, has opinions here on light eyes and on the world. Uh, and says, "I don't think there's anyone out there who has never lied." Uh, and uh, Syl says that she's heard people talking that apparently Dalinar doesn't lie, and that that he's he's an honorable man. And uh, Kaladin is uh, is not having it. He says he's a light eyes, therefore he's a terrible person.
2: <laughs> that means he light lies. Hey. hey. Uh... Oh! Oh, snap. Mic drop. (laughs) Uh,
3: And then we also get a name drop of Amaram. And I'm realizing... I imagine this is why we're getting so many flashbacks, Is eventually we're going to learn every part of the story. But we still know almost nothing about what happened before Chapter 1 and what happened after Chapter 1 in terms of, like, what was Kaladin's deal. Because he just showed up, was on the battlefield, said a couple of weird things about killing a light-eyes and trying to find someone. And then he was a slave. <laughs> and there's a lot of dots that still have not been connected even though the Kaladin storyline is trying to make you forget about them. I haven't forgotten. Did I only remember because Brandon put in a reference to Amaram here? Yes, but that I'm, I still win. I'm winning. You're doing a very good job of reading this book, Caleb. It's true. Thank you. I, I've seen all of the words on the page and I'm understanding some of them.
0: Yeah, I guess the, uh, the questioner the question remains open Uh, of our series of flashbacks. They started when he was very young. Uh, Chapter one, which was not one of those flashbacks is still somewhere in the middle of his life. So where, where are those flashbacks going to run up to? Are they going to like get up to chapter one? And then then we'll have to find out more of that later. Are they going to go past it? Are they going to go all the way up to chapter two when he is in the slave wagon? We will uh, have to, as they say, read and find out.
3: (gasps) Of course, of course.
2: But yeah, all Light Eyes are the same, including my erstwhile girlfriend who I ignored like a putz and her dad who believed in me so much he sent me to surgery school and changed the course of my life forever. All Light Eyes are the same. (laughs) Kaladin.
0: Yeah, I I think... uh... He, he may be perhaps prone to uh, uh, generalizing about this. But uh, as, the, uh, as the workout session wraps up, uh, Kaladin does point out that, you know, talking to Syl probably doesn't help people thinking he's mad. Uh, but there's nothing that can be done. She's just too interesting. <laughs> uh, but uh, unfortunately, Gaz is here and uh, has some words. <laughs> uh, and the words are, uh sadius is being an asshole about this (laughs) and uh he Kaladin cannot uh actually care for the wounded bridgman. uh there will be no extra food or pay and they'll just have to deal with it yay
2: (laughs) oh god damn it but it's okay he talked him talked him down from stringing up cal (laughs)
1: all right what great mercy what mercy
2: i will mercifully allow you to starve to death
3: (laughs) i do there is some there is a silver lining here which is that i had a question last time in terms of like what is gaz's role here um i think we were told this before but it's bridge sergeant that's the specific ranking like i knew there was a name for it but i don't know if i I was able to find it last time but we, we get that set again here um that's what he is so that's a positive thing
0: we have learned and fact. <laughs> we now
1: have the clear organizational structure who allowed these men to starve.
3: Need to reiterate. Pretty sure relearned a fact. I I think we already <laughs> knew this. I just didn't take good enough notes.
0: Yeah. Well, we uh we have the the orders from on high. Uh, there are there are three men here who are wounded and will not be able to run bridges, and therefore they will not be paid or fed. Uh, and Kaladin is going to do what he can about that, so he goes back to Bridge Four, uh, and he explains the news. He says uh, Sadius will, is not allowing uh, Leighton, Hobber, and David to be fed, uh, but if we all contribute some of our supplies, we can we can keep them going. We can let them heal and rejoin the bridge. Uh, so I'd like you all to help with that. And they all say. Are you fucking kidding me? No. <laughs> well, almost all of them, but uh, that's that's definitely the the immediate response, uh, kind of spearheaded by by Moash there.
1: I know we're trying not to let the pronunciation wars get too strong, but I do have to lodge a formal complaint about how you say Moash, because it's Moash, it's Moash.
0: It is absolutely Moash. I have never heard anyone say Mosh. What are you talking about?
1: <laughs> no, my roommate agrees with me.
3: <laughs> Beth, I hate to do this to you because no. usually it's me versus Caleb, Justin. no. It's Moash. If it was Mosh, it would, there'd be so no A. Bitch. Why would they have an A in it if it's Mosh?
1: Because sometimes words like moat happen. It's not Moat.
2: I wish it was. <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna, uh, you know what, we're we're splitting 50-50 then, because okay. I'm with Beth here.
1: Sam, join me! <laughs>
0: yeah. Is that because that's how you said it, or because you think it's funnier for it to be 50-50? <laughs> because either one I will accept. I think it is
2: excessively cumbersome for it to have that extra syllable thrown in there. Okay.
3: <laughs> yeah, the, the king of these people is Elhokar. You want to talk about excessive, <laughs> like, hard-to-pronounce <laughs> <laughs> names?
0: well uh in the meantime we can go to uh the person who has explicitly said that his name is too hard to pronounce so just call him rock and we can agree on that one (laughs) it's actually rogue
3: (laughs) i was was thinking about it i was thinking about it
0: (laughs) but uh yeah rock does have something to offer uh he says he doesn't have any spheres he spent them all uh but he will contribute some of his food which is surprising to kaladin uh, and Rock has has a condition here. He he says the food uh, is for Haber, who is the one who who got shot in the leg, because Rock thinks that he actually has a chance of of healing and carrying the bridge again. Uh, and so that is that's actually worth the the sacrifice for Rock. But it's uh, it's something. And and Kaladin says thank you for that. Rock's explanation is. Uh, you you took my place at the front of the bridge uh, and if you hadn't done that, I'd be dead. So you saved my life and, and I now I owe you for it. Uh, Kaladin objects to this. He says, well, I was at f- the front of the bridge and I didn't die. So if you had been there, then you wouldn't have died.
2: Right, but you're not a seven foot tall ginger.
0: <laughs> Rocky is perhaps a bigger target. Yeah. <laughs> but uh rock also says that there's no there's something strange going on here uh and and maintains that no it it was not luck uh if rock had been in the point position he would have died and so kaladin saved his life uh and also rock can see sil so that's interesting
1: hey (laughs) Hey, what the fuck (laughs) that's
3: that's actually why rock is the first to help is because he's the only one who knows kaladin isn't flat out insane
0: (laughs) i mean it probably (laughs) is part of it actually uh rock is also very good at not explaining things uh because uh he kaladin is is baffled that uh he can see sill sill is also apparently baffled at this Uh, (laughs) rock uh explains that he is a laiku uh which he does not translate says that uh kaladin doesn't understand anything and just leaves or at least continues <laughs> anyway on.
3: he also does like almost the sign of the cross he touches his shoulders and his forehead and he just does not bring the hand down but that's that's just the sign of, that's just crossing yourself isn't it
1: <laughs> but upside down it's, it bottoms up and the devil laughs. laughs did you not see that video there's this video of this woman explaining how monster energy is from the devil
3: <laughs> I, bottoms up and the devil laughs Sounds very familiar But I don't know that specific thing
1: <laughs> It's because the, the tea looks like a cross And when you uh, flip the can upside down When you're drinking it As you always do Just invert the can fully as you're chugging The cross is now upside down gotcha. Bottoms up You mean and the devil every laughs Every letter
3: T just, yes. just the letter T at all times Okay, got it
1: Yeah, She has more evidence though It's very compelling
3: <laughs> Gotcha a measured response.
0: <laughs> so uh, yeah, Rock. Uh, he he's talking about what what he what he sees about the bridge crews. Uh, is th- on that last attack, uh, five entire bridges fell. One of them lost eleven men and didn't even really get focused on. Uh, and. In one of the worst bridge runs in months, Bridge Four only lost eight men, and that includes the three wounded. So even, like like we saw, Kaladin set a unreasonable standard for himself in that nobody would die, and has already lost several men under his, his command now. But even that was under some of the worst circumstances. So rock's conclusion is that there is there is something special here kaladin is responsible for it and so he's going to help
2: nice that's what i got for you all right nice i would agree anyway now it's time to make money
0: anyway yeah it's uh it's time to make money and uh not make the the bridge crew like you uh because kaladin uh, has an idea he goes to he tracks down gaz uh and he says how about you put us on rock gathering duty not that rock we just finished talking to him stone gathering
1: <laughs> got him gathered
0: i feel
3: like that probably as as a writer i feel like i probably would have written rock gathering and only on riri would i go no oh, that sounds weird If that stone gathering i have to call it stone gathering <laughs> kaladin
2: go gather rocks you can gather stones exactly
1: <laughs> rock would begin to gathering rocks he's very tall yeah very strong
2: i also
3: gotta say i know gaz is kind of the worst he's kind of winning me over with the fact that truly anytime <laughs> he sees kaladin he's like fuck it run away let's talk to that guy
2: <laughs>
3: and anytime the conversation starts he's like what is it now just whatever i don't care anymore
1: Secret Joe Star technique.
0: <laughs> I wonder if there's like a second axis to this measurement of being a fucker where you also have to be effective at least somewhat. Yeah, and the fact that <laughs> yes. Gaz is just not good at obstructing Kaladin is what's redeeming him. Yeah,
3: it's it, it's it's it is a chart of like fucker energy, but also the more pathetic you are, the less I right. hate you
1: right yeah
0: (laughs) so yeah there's there's a negotiation here um bridge four is going to go on stone gathering detail uh because it's it's unpopular and so gaz would not have any trouble assigning bridge four to it because everyone knows that bridge four is the worst so you can make them do whatever uh and then uh it's not immediately clear what uh what kaladin gets out of this but gaz says you know what sure why not we do get a a somewhat uh, interesting kind of magic fact uh which is the the reason for the stone gathering uh, is that the way that the the armies get food and the way that this this siege has been going on for years uh, is that they can soul cast it from whatever they want uh but for some reason that uh Kaladin certainly doesn't understand. Uh that's easier to do if you have actual discrete objects and not just like the ground. <laughs> so yeah, go gather some stones. As the uh the chapter is wrapping up here, we do have Kaladin putting together kind of the the rest of this this bit of the plan. Uh, and he's gonna need one more person to to help. And uh, the person he picks is Teft, who's the, the kind of grizzled old guy. Uh, who for like two seconds we thought might be the old mentor. And then I think the first thing that he said to Cal was storm off, Uh, (laughs) but he's, he's still around and, uh, and Kaladin is going to ask him for help. Uh, Teft thinks it's going to be about the food and says, no, I'm, I'm not doing that. Sorry. Uh, But uh, no, that's not, that's not what he needs. Kaladin says, I need you, your, your loyalty. And uh, Teft says, that's not going to work. Uh, and I think it's a a very interesting kind of twist of of what he says, because uh, he says, "No, I've I've given my loyalty before," and Kaladin thinks that he understands. He says, "Your your trust gets betrayed and you get hurt," uh, and Tef says, "No, I betray them. That's why I'm not doing it again." Which is great is, sign. It's it's very <laughs> self aware, and yeah, it it uh, it it asks a lot of interesting questions.
1: I think Brandon has clearly learned from Elantris here. Because the, the cast of characters we're working with continues to expand, as, as Kaladin's Bridgeman squad does. But we're, like, titrating them in, just one at a time. It's like, here's Rock, and here's some interesting stuff about him, and then two pages will pass. And here's Teft, and here's how he thinks about the world and himself. It's not like Serene walks into a Brady Bunch introduction, where <laughs> there's family members everywhere.
2: Oh god, yeah. And I will also say, I
3: appreciate, um, how it's also like, clearly Calvin's putting in a lot of work to make any leeway here in, you know, also in contrast to Rayodin talking to someone for 20 seconds and they change their entire personality and how they've been acting for the past five years because, (laughs) oh, that's a pretty reasonable argument. That's true. Uh, And then they're best friends.
1: Yeah. Immediately ride or die. Yeah, even Rock, it's like, he fully believes Kaladin saved his life, so he's like, yeah, you can give my food to that one guy, fuck the other two, but I'll help you with the one. So it it really shows what Kaladin is struggling with here, just how beaten down they are, that that's all he can get out of Rock.
2: Rock? Don't you mean Numuhuku Makiaki
0: Ayalunamore? Very impressive. Ah,
1: Damn!
0: Yeah... I have I have practiced that one.
2: <laughs> it's fun, but I don't care to say it often. Well, that's <laughs> the other thing is like perhaps like
3: the apostrophe is uh meant to be pronounced differently and perhaps a lot of the vowels are maybe difficult to pronounce for English speakers. But looking at this on the page, it's not technically hard to pronounce, just hard to remember.
1: Yeah, it's yeah. long. <laughs> it's effort. It's just a lot of effort.
0: Yeah, it uh and and i think this is the the intentional influence it reminds me of um a kind of hawaiian or other pacific island uh language yeah oh yeah uh, where where you have these these longer words that have a lot of alternating consonants and vowels but uh yeah we now have we have these these three here we have Kaladin, uh and teft who who does admit yeah i'm i'm going to give it one more try here i'm, I'm gonna come with you Uh, and numuhuku makiakiai lunamore oh nice (laughs) all right i would uh i would like to suggest any of our listeners who do not also listen to uh following noadon uh to give them a listen to they're another sanderson podcast who actually started with with stormlight uh one of the things that they get to do is that uh elliot uh reads uh the physical book uh and paul listens to the audiobook for each section uh, and so whenever there's a, a new uh, a new word that's a complex fantasy word, they get to play, how is this pronounced and how is this spelled, respectively. Uh, <laughs> and I believe, I, I think Paul got Rock's name entirely correct spelling it after just hearing the audiobook, except for where to put the apostrophe, which was very mm. impressive. Yeah, that is. Uh, but yeah, they, they have the uh the the group is now put together these three uh they are going to go get some some reeds when they go out 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 of camp uh sam thinks this is perhaps to make flutes with and we will see if that is correct we're going to make and sell (laughs) flutes no it's related to the apothecary i'm going to spoil that there is a plot relevant flute in this book it's true (laughs) (laughs) i will not explain further all right <laughs> i'll just sit here i mean we are recording this podcast so i would hope that you continue to sit here for at least you know another hour-ish yeah <laughs> our final chapter of the section uh is is interesting from a couple of standpoints first of all we have our our epigraph which concludes the thought from the previous one uh and uh, explains some things that uh we didn't particularly know about what happened in cell uh, which is that Aona and Sky are both dead, and that which they held has been splintered. Very interesting.
1: <laughs> yeah. What the fuck?
2: <laughs> yeah. Do we, do we want to wait th- for theory time, or do we want to chat now? I don't have any theories. I just think this is weird.
0: Yeah. Let's <laughs> uh, let's get through this chapter, and then we'll uh, we'll see what's going on.
1: All right. <laughs> Keep cooking, Caleb.
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, yes. Eyes, hands, or spheres. Uh, we are back with Delinar. Uh It is two days later. It is time for just some more uh, politics and business of the Alethi war camps, uh, for better or for worse. <laughs> uh, we start with a a follow up on the the investigation into the King's saddle. Uh, it is still extremely inconclusive. Uh, Adelin has has gone to other leather workers for second third and fourth opinions uh and they all disagree there's no consensus here so uh that's not really a good lead okay sam
2: has in the notes continued to express frustration yes so they (laughs) say it was sliced in that the two pieces have been cut through or cleaved and are no longer connected yeah great why don't you ask the blind guy too he'll probably tell the same thing these two pieces aren't together i'll I'll go to bat slightly (laughs)
3: In that, I believe the distinction is that it did not simply wear away and snap just because there was that much weight on it. They are able to confirm some, like another object cut into it, rather than the strap just breaking due to Elokar being too heavy. Which, yeah, it's frustrating, and I can I can feel Adeline's frustration here of like, yeah, that's not actually helpful information. But it, I, th- I think there is a distinction between it was sliced versus just it is now broken.
2: <laughs> between that and the two pieces, they're not together anymore. <laughs>
1: it, it is in twain.
0: <laughs> it's been cleft. All right. Well, with that investigation not going anywhere, it's time for an extravagant feast in this war camp, which I'm sure we're <laughs> all feeling great about.
3: I, I hate to say it. It's kind of cool. The island thing. I ca like if it weren't
1: yeah if
3: it weren't these assholes i'd be like ooh but because it's these assholes i'm like <laughs> uh yeah you would
1: same energy as the balls in mistborn where you're like ah like the architecture is cool and and the the keeps that they're in are neat and everyone looks great and the dancing is cool and there's scosh starving in the streets outside what are you talking mm-hmm. about
2: yeah and one just got beaten to death in front of everybody
1: yeah yeah,
2: yeah. cool Hang on. They weren't beaten to death.
3: They got their throat slit by a sword. <laughs> Completely different. Oh yeah, right. That's That's a lot of it was Come humane.
0: But yeah, what uh, what Elokar has constructed here is a uh, a miniature artificial lake uh, with a series of small floating islands to have dinner upon. Uh, and yeah, it is it it sounds kinda cool, and it seems wildly out of place for a war camp but uh the uh the colins are here to uh attend the feast dalinar is is trying to make sure that uh, that adolin is is following the codes uh will not be uh, getting drunk and uh is uh, has specifications on the colors of wine that they can drink because rashar is weird <laughs> uh, he can he can have just one cup of of the blue wine uh, and then after that uh orange at the best the codes,
2: the codes.
3: Also, it is it, the the sequence of events here is very funny. Of Dalinar issues this statement, and Alan goes fine, and then they break off from Dalinar, but they stay on the first platform where the drinks are, waiting for their dad to leave the platform. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they yeah. seem like
3: like the vibe is that they're going to listen to Dalinar, but like this is textbook wait till dad's not looking and then yeah let's grab another drink <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> yeah uh not only is Rochar weird and the wine is multicolored uh but vorans are weird and uh the dining is gender segregated uh, not just from the uh the seating arrangements but also the types of food yeah it's weird and i like how weird it is
1: seems exhausting having to always <laughs> have two different it like, really does. like you know i i feel like it's a thing that's like you're under my roof you'll eat my food i'm making one meal i'm not gonna make six different meals for my six different kids but no here you have to make at least two meals <laughs> that's just tiring
2: yeah and if they use the same dishes then you gotta wash them and the, 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 just a delay or you gotta have two sets of dishes Come on. Pots and pans, those take up space, Dalinar. (laughs) Dalinar! Yeah, you, the person (laughs) doing
3: this. The one person to blame. (laughs) Uh,
0: But yeah, with with Adolin and Renarin staying behind pointedly by the drinks, uh, Dalinar is going to go on ahead uh, because he does get to uh, dine at the King's Island as he does have that, uh, that close tie. Uh, and wit is back and is in fine form here today. Because <laughs> he's kind of, uh, guarding the entrance to, uh, to the King's, the King's Island there. And, uh, is, uh, is, is, yeah, is just his, his usual thing. Uh, it, both of his, his usual things of, uh, just insulting everyone as they go by and then, dalinar and then back to insulting everyone else <laughs>
2: he's great
0: yeah i uh, the uh, the the titular section of this chapter uh where wit blatantly misunderstands dalinar and then just like goes off on an entire segment of wordplay uh dalinar asks, asks if he has to uh and and wit asks the the title question of to what eyes hands or spheres uh, and then has a a good quip which i feel like you could make work auditorially but it also is a little easier to do in writing uh that uh, you can only have one eye so it it can't be that his his hands he says he's he's too simple and too down in in the muck for someone like uh like down r uh and then says well i'm uh, i'm attached to my spheres you see well you can't see would you like to which is just <laughs> this guy bro
3: <laughs> it is like reading this is very fun this is this would be a very tricky thing to adapt film wise because this is like a 45 second monologue and dalinar waits for a while Interrupted. <laughs> Because it's a lot of bullshit. And Dalinar should be able to tell right away, this is all going to be bullshit. I, yes. I, sh- I should step in now. But no, he waits till the punchline. Yeah. And then I love the follow-up of like, yeah, I'm sorry. My roasts aren't even very good because I just hate these people so much. Yeah. I
0: just go for an yeah. easy <laughs> joke. Uh, but uh, yeah, once, once Wit gets that kind of out of his system, uh, this guy is well-informed for a Wit uh, because he he mentions to dalinar you know there's there's people there's people talking about you they're saying things like you're considering abandoning the vengeance pact that's very interesting so uh a- another uh another good uh good quip that i do appreciate uh because dalinar expected that to to remain private and wit says i oh, don't know people are talking quite a bit about it uh, and dalinar just says "Stormfather." he says no i'm wit but i understand you know you can make the mistake
1: my favorite part is, is Dalinar gets a repost in here where he's like, oh, because you blow so much air or because you make so much noise, which A, is clever, and B, really gives the sense that Dalinar's just fed the fuck up with this guy. Well, it also, I don't know if it is fed up, because a
3: thing I, maybe I'm misreading it, but uh, Wit says, like, there's rumors about, and Dalinar says rumors, yes, terrible things, like, they grow on you like warts, Dalinar says tumors, and... Is like Dalinar purposefully rhyming because he knows Wit would enjoy that. Like the tumors <laughs> line almost makes no sense unless Dalinar is kind of playing into the like, yeah, we're kind of shooting the shit a little bit and having fun with our wordplay.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I, 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 like what these two get up to, even though it's a, a very kind of unlikely, uh, unlikely duo. But uh, Dalinar does uh, appreciate the warning uh, and and goes on to to dine. Uh, though he is still within earshot and he hears uh, wit just continue on with the uh, the barrage as people are arriving. Uh, you have Bright Lord Habitab, you have uh, Bright Lord Tumul right behind, whoops, shouldn't have, uh, should have seen that before. Uh, Lord Yonatan and Lady Mariav are both there, good to see them. Lady Navani is back. Hang on, oh. Lady Navani is back? Wait, what? Lady
2: Navani's is
3: back.
0: <laughs> I
3: really want the like he's taking a sip from his drink and like what?
0: Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Uh, Navani Colin is here. She's been away for a while. She is uh, the king's mother. She is Gavilar's widow, and is uh, has has unexpectedly returned.
1: And And she's uh... hot. (laughs) (laughs) We wax poetic about that for like half a page.
3: Yeah, she's hot, and Dallinar's like, "Oh, yeah, she's still hot." Fuck. Oh no, that's bad.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's a there's some complex uh, backstory between these two. Oh yeah. Also, Delinor can't remember his dead wife.
2: Oh
1: yeah. Anyway, yeah. dinner time.
0: <laughs> yeah. Anyway,
3: it, is it a bad, fellas? Is it a bad sign if you can remember, <laughs> uh, the that's because that was another thing is like, in the vision. Not the first time Dalinar being like, I don't know my wife's name. What's, what is this? (laughs) Like, it's a recurring trend of Dalinar being in a husband role and the wife, him being like, I have no idea what that wife's name is. No, no clue.
1: (laughs) If I had a nickel for every time, I remember my wife's name.
0: Yeah, Dalinar at least has some, uh, a a moment of reprieve while he eats his dinner. uh, Because the, the etiquette is that. The, the the two dining groups should not commingle while dinner is still taking place, uh, and so he he does get to 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 do that for a bit. Uh, but I do have food thoughts. <laughs> let's hear the food thoughts.
3: <laughs> My first one is a question because I truly don't know a lot about food, but I read it and I was like, "Is that a thing? Steamed methi fruit? Obviously, we don't know what methi fruit specifically is." Do you steam fruit? Is that is that something
2: you do with fruit ever? I think I think so. Okay, <laughs> it brings out the flavors. I probably know the least about
3: cuisine out of the four of us here. I just had not heard of. I I just thought that was for
2: veggies and meat. I mean, it's not a requisite like processing thing. It just it brings out. Uh, the I better now. not be,
3: otherwise I'd be dead. <laughs> Never eat raw
2: <laughs> apples. <laughs> Poisonous. Um,
1: according to google you could you most often steam it so that it will be easy for your baby to eat because it'll be softer
3: i see i see and then just my other thought was a fun thing of like we've talked a lot about do do earth animals exist um on on these fantasy planets and it's a fun thing of like trying to keep track of which ones exist which ones don't we got chicken. we get confirmation that chickens exist and also the very fun world building thing of But they're seen as exotic and weird.
1: (laughs) (laughs) They're not crabs. What are they?
3: (laughs) I'm really, I would absolutely love if we turn the page at some point and it's an illustration
2: of the Rosharian chicken and it's another crab thing. (laughs) Yeah, and Dalinar is going to stab into it with his dining knife, which is on his calf. Yeah. That was another interesting world building thing that apparently you carry your own dining utensil
3: with you. I actually really liked that.
2: Just of course. That's all I have to say. Is just of course, the Alethia have something that's so pompous and ridiculous and pointless. There's a dining <laughs> knife, on their
0: calf
1: carried in your calf sheath.
0: It's probably like really fancy engraved too. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, as uh, as dinner goes on, uh, Dalinar is is having a, a look around as he's eating. Uh, navani has brought with her a uh, a new device of some sort a a a type of fabriel that dalinar has never seen Uh, this uh, seems to be something that navani knows quite a bit about uh, and he he's trying to to figure out what is happening there Uh, and then they notice each other and she smiles at him and he's totally distracted by how hot she is again and has to kind of (laughs) recombobulate himself
1: storming woman how dare she be so hot
3: like i trust Dalinar's like vibe checks and we already know that navani is very clever and there's likely there's some some deviousness here she has looked at him and smiled twice and all i could think <laughs> was like god damn it shit
2: fuck <laughs> uh,
0: dalinar is uh, saved by the arrival of adolin Uh, who has apparently had a busy couple of days uh, because given the the rumors getting out that uh, Dalinar is considering walking away from the war uh, Adolin has fought three duels to defend his honor which he's not supposed to be doing, but he did he's he's getting some practice in it's the calling it's his calling
2: (laughs) (laughs) my calling is to be the very greatest Magic the Gathering player of the world
3: I'm I'm down for that
2: (laughs) And then I'll be a cashier. That
3: that does actually God, now I'm not gonna be able to read about Adolin dueling now that you've said that, because they literally call themselves duelists in Yu-Gi-Oh!. That's that's <laughs> what they are. Oh, gosh. <laughs> if you defeat someone in a duel, do you get their most powerful cards? Is does he have like a lot of blue eyes white dragons now, since he's been dueling so much? I mean you get their shard blade.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I, exactly, that's what
3: I mean. If the if the rule carries over.
0: But uh Yeah, a- Adelin is he's kind of acting under the impression that this is these are people slandering his father, but he does have to check, is this actually something that Dalinar was talking to the king about? Uh, which it is. It was not supposed to get out. It wasn't necessarily as conclusive as people have been apparently talking about, but he did bring up to Alucar maybe they should abandon the battle here. Uh, yeah, so this is a, a, a complicated discussion that they, uh, Dalinar really doesn't want to have this during the king's feast. Uh, and so, so tries to uh, kind of explain things. He, he says, you need to trust that I am doing what I think is right. Uh, and also, yes, I did tell the king that maybe we should consider what we're doing here but the conclusion that we drew is that we should actually fight this war. And the rumor that got out is that I was considering abandoning it, but that's totally not what I'm planning. Kind
2: of the opposite. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: I want to get vengeance. <gasps> what? <laughs>
3: that's That sounds like you're abandoning the vengeance pact. What's wrong with you?
2: <laughs> you don't remember the vengeance pact where they say, let's go to the... Uh, fucking plateaus and fuck around for six years? (laughs) (laughs) Those were Gavilar's
0: last words.
1: (laughs) It is a lethe tradition.
0: (laughs) But, uh, yeah, Delinar has an idea that I think we can all support, uh, which is, how about we make an actual, like, strategic battle maneuver and bring a large force? We have these soulcasters that just make food so we can do that. We can push across the plains and, and make a serious strike at the Parshendi. That seems like it could be something that would, would help win this war. And, uh, this is, is very good news to Adolin. He is all for this plan. Uh, he does want to, he does remind Dalinar that they should probably do something about the, the rumors. Uh, Dalinar says that he'll, he'll write something up so that Elakar can say that, uh, this wasn't what happened, but he's not going to call Elokar a liar. You know, there's a, a delicate political dance there. Aelin says, can I just duel someone? Well, first he <laughs> says you should just duel someone. Just find someone who, who is is slandering you, challenge them to a duel, beat them like the incredible warrior that you are, and that'll be the end of it. Uh, and Dalinar says that the, the codes uh, would absolutely not permit someone of my standing to do that. And that's when adelin says, then I'll do it instead. But uh, that, uh, in, in Dalinar's mind, that is the same thing.
2: Del- Dalinar won't duel, but uh, he'll let Adolin duel because dueling's his life. That and womanizing. Yeah. <laughs> nice.
0: Those two things.
2: I love these people. <laughs> so great. So likable. Dalinar's likable. adelin's Okay
1: i like him I, I
0: think what we've hit with adeline is the exact same thing we've we've hit with ellen where uh it, it's it's the same description from beth and i but with the parenthetical affectionate tagged on it yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah.
3: right but then also i think we're on this is the flip of ellen of like I'm, I'm i like adeline i don't have any issues with him. <laughs>
0: Dalinar does seem to be standing pretty head and shoulders above everyone else, though, in that respect.
3: And Renarin has done pretty much nothing, and I do love him.
0: <laughs> uh, he did say nothing r- ridiculous, so there's there's that.
3: Ah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh,
0: but uh, yeah, Dalinar is trying to uh, express what he's working through to, to Adolin, is it Adolin says it's it's either the visions the codes or that book or some combination of them and and Dalinar is now thinking about that book and says have I have I told you the story of the king in the boulder and and Adolin says yes twice and you had someone read it for me so I could hear it for myself I understand the story (laughs) but uh yeah it's it's something that is on Dalinar's mind Uh, unfortunately for Delinar during this conversation he has been a bit distracted he's finished dinner and now it is totally socially acceptable for the groups to mingle after they've finished dinner and so Navani is here
3: I love that detail so much it got planted way earlier of like she has to leave me alone as long as I'm still eating and then it flat out just says yeah he stuffed the last of his chicken in his mouth two more lines damn it that was the last of my food
0: (laughs) and then Navani is right there yeah. yeah. <laughs> and for, for Adolin, this is a, an exciting surprise. His his aunt is here, who he seems to quite like. Uh, and Dalinar is, is doing this very careful kind of maneuvering of trying to, trying to step very carefully with, with this change.
1: It's so funny to see, like, Dalinar is stealing himself like he's going into battle and purposefully picking... Like very formal terms and being very terse with her, and she's just like, "Oh, you, Adeline, how's your, how's it going with the courtship?" She's just like so comfortable and so at ease, <laughs> and, and it's just freaking Dalinar out. It's really funny.
0: I like uh, a little bit later that um, uh, Novani has uh, has had a, a a seat brought over so that she can sit and talk, uh, which is not technically a thing that should be done as she was not invited to the king's table, but she's not sitting at the king's table. She's merely sitting near it. Uh, And Elokar notices this, uh, and he is the king, and so should be in charge of these things, but this is his mom, and so he's not going to say anything about it. (laughs) I do think it is kind of an interesting shift where uh, we've had this, this dynamic where Elokar is is the king uh, but is fairly young given that he uh, was crowned when Gavilar was murdered. And, and so there's, there's this interesting dynamic where Dalinar is, is older and more experienced, but there's this kind of back and forth of Alucar is still the one who is in charge. uh, And, and there's that. And with Navani, there's, it's similar, but it's also very different because, She doesn't have the the formal power of being the high prince, but she has much, much more informal power being his mother. And I I think that's really interesting. But uh, yeah, Devani has some things to discuss. One of them is uh, just a a kind of interesting bit of news from the world, uh, which is that uh, the Vedans have figured out how to make what they call half shards, uh, which are... Uh, shields or armor that can block a a shard blade. They don't do any of the other fancy things that actual shards do, but even that is a a, a tremendous step, and it's a a kind of monumental discovery. The uh, the the other uh, reason, or the, the second reason, though, uh, is that she has made a a similar realization to I think a, a thing that was mentioned earlier. Uh, which is that these war camps are now kind of the center of the the Alethi kingdom uh, and not the capital anymore. And there are there are important things going on here, and Navani wants to be involved in important things. So uh, she has uh, she has come to the camps. She also kind of uh, does a bit of, of saying a quiet thing out loud. When she asks Dalinar, Elokar's not very good at being the king, is he?
3: <laughs> to which Dalinar responds, "I, he's such a good guy. He's such a, he's such a good man.
0: Not answering the question, but perhaps saying what he thinks to be true.
1: And the next scene certainly doesn't prove him any favors.
0: <laughs> no, nah, not really. And, uh, so those were, those, those were two of the things, two of the reasons, the three reasons why Navani has, uh, has come back. Uh, and he asks what the, the third reason is, uh, and she smiles at him and she's really pretty and Dalinar has a crisis about it. Uh, and then, and then goes, I'm, I'm very busy. We'll talk later. <laughs> so yeah, that's, uh, that's going well. <laughs>
2: I just love, like, we're meeting anyway. Yeah. I'm f- I'm very busy. Yeah, we're meeting. No, we're meeting.
1: I feel like this is perhaps the most we've seen Dalinar on his back foot. Mm-hmm. Even compared to when he's, like, fighting giant crabs. And it's, it's just because he has to interact with a hot woman.
3: <laughs> he was fighting nightmare creatures yesterday.
1: <laughs> yeah. And he, like, shrugged and joined the battle again. And now he's, like... She's sitting next to me. <laughs>
0: uh, but we do have uh, one last bit of, uh, uh, of politics to play here. Uh, and it's uh, it's perhaps not the best because Elokar <laughs> is going to make an announcement. Uh, he, he acknowledges that there are rumors about uh, the, the near disaster that happened during the, the Chasm Fiend hunt. Uh, he says that uh, I was never in any danger. The the guard and my uncle Dalinar protected me admirably. You know, no, nothing to be concerned about there. But this this needs investigation, uh, and I've taken steps to uh, to resolve this. And the steps that he's taken uh, is that he has appointed Sadius to high prince of information thereby putting him in charge of the investigation into Alucard's life. Which, there's already, like, a kind of very vague rumor in the background that Dalinar, or someone in Dalinar's employ, was somewhat responsible. And now Sadius is in charge of this whole deal, and we'll have to see how that goes.
2: Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> I'm sure Well.
3: We also find out that Sadius' first name is Tool. Sorry, Toril. I got a letter mixed up there.
0: It's <laughs> just off by one. It's an easy mistake to make. So uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll see what uh, what Sadius discovers during his investigation.
3: There's even that. There's like a Dalinar just goes right up to Elacar. Is like, hey, what the hell, man? And, and the response <laughs> is, look, everything's gonna be in the clear if Sadius says that I didn't get, no one tried to assassinate me, which i think is a really good like the paranoia is being very realistically portrayed here of i know you just had three different sets of leather workers look into this but since you're not giving me the answer i want to hear i'm gonna ask someone else and i promise you that if they agree with you then i'll believe them but Mm -hmm. you can already tell that like that's probably not the case um if Sidious (laughs) were to say nah everything's all good elucard would go mom Someone tried yeah. to assassinate me. Can you find proof, please?
2: <laughs> it just, it reminds me of um, either the Y2K or the, um, what was it? Like the I love you email mm-hmm. uh, worm, right? Because the reality is the uh, I love you email, right? It just sent an email to everybody in your inbox that said, I love you and had an attachment. Which the attachment would then send it to everybody that said, I love you. And everybody was like, oh my god, there's more to it, isn't there? There really (coughs) wasn't. But the people who... uh, People wanted there to be more than that. And there was money to be made in saying that there was more than that. So, you can bet that security experts, the world over, for Y2K as well oh, we're going to future-proof, we're going to just contract us out, and in the end, nothing really happened in either <laughs> case.
0: Well, and, and the tricky thing is that you can't tell if it was because nothing was going to happen, like the the I love you virus, or because people did a whole bunch of work preventing anything from happening, like Y2K. <laughs> yeah, the, the other... Uh, thing that doesn't seem like a, a very good sign uh, or reflects very well on on Elokar is that Dalinar points out that just a couple of days ago, he had suggested naming a High Prince of War and Elokar said, no, 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 the High Princes wouldn't accept one person in charge of a whole, uh, a whole idea like that. It, it wouldn't work. And then sadie has suggested maybe something not quite as impactful like information and well he would volunteer to do it and alakar said well that sounds like a great idea <laughs> so uh yeah there you go we have uh we have a couple of of shake-ups to the uh the political landscape here with uh Sadia's having obtained this new position uh navani arriving to uh to return to where she thinks the the important dealings are going on uh and dalinar dealing with multiple rumors about what's been going on with him it is a uh kind of a a complex web there i'm sure this will all go great
1: (laughs) surely this is not a huge political blunder alakar's made
0: uh but yeah that wraps up our chapter and our section there with uh, now uh, a good chunk of the way through uh, part two, uh, we've got two more episodes that it will take to, to finish off the part uh, and we'll see which of these lines actually get wrapped up here and which are still going to uh, carry on into the future. So as we are uh, wrapping up the section here, we are going to be adding to our cast list and we've pivoted back down to a, a small casting section here. Most of the... Uh, The crowd here in these chapters were uh, people we'd seen before or people who were only going to be on page very briefly. Uh, A couple of ones that I think are going to be pretty important, though. So we'll see uh, what we we have to add uh, if you want to uh, start us off, Sam.
2: Yeah, sure. Um, I have identified the ones that I did not cast last time and I still don't have anybody for them. So... uh... Jost, the Apothecary, uh, Yanala, and Teshav, I've still got nothing. Okay. So, oh, well. Anyway, uh, Taffa, uh, I'm going to go with uh, Evan Rachel Wood from Westworld, who's the uh, the main girl from Westworld. Uh, Celie, I'm going to go with Audrey Bustani, who is Alice from Detroit Become Human. There you go. Sorry, I just remembered the plot twist regarding Alice from Detroit Become Human. It made
3: me laugh, but go for it. I stand by the casting. She's a good actress.
1: <laughs> Sometimes I also think about Detroit Become Human and laugh.
2: Is it the Detroit part? <laughs> Don't laugh at Detroit. Detroit hustles harder, okay?
1: I, 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 that would be mean of me. Yeah. Uh,
2: and then Navani, uh, I had... Uh, a variety of thoughts on this. First I was going to go with Loxana Troy. Um uh but she's dead. It has been for 15 years. But then I was like, but what about just not Loxana? What about just Deanna Troy? Marina. She Ooh. is the age that Loxana was when uh when fucking uh Next Generation was going on. So she's the right age for it now. Marina Sirtis. That's my body. Okay. Uh, and she's hot. She is hot. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I have a note uh, here about uh, casting Bridgman and my philosophy here. Um, I think I went into it in a little bit of depth, but I can go in further. Uh, I'm focusing on folks who can play good ragged strength. Folks who can pull off the desperate but strong look. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of the people I've cast so far have played roles like that in their life, including Adam Copeland and Abraham Benrubi, who I've already cast as uh, Teft and Gaz, respectively. Um, so I have a couple more. Okay. There you go. Uh, Drehi. I'm going to go with Andy Williams, who is also known as Butcher from AEW. Um, subject to change if we get more description. Because <laughs> we're still waiting on that description for old Drahi.
0: <laughs> We've got a name. Nothing else.
2: Just a name. Uh, Leighton, I'm leaving open until we know if he lives or dies. There we go. Uh, Hover, I'm going to go with Lee Ehrenberg, a.k.a. Pintel from Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs>
0: Hey, one <laughs> of those two guys. Yeah,
2: and then David is the other one. We're Kind of shortcut, choosing a duo, but whatever. Yeah, no, it's fine. I've done it before. Yeah. Um, And then, uh, just because I like his name, um, I'm going to go with Asbestos as Felt with Kulf. Kulf is Asbestos as Felt. <laughs> yes, there's an actor whose name is Asbestos as Felt. <laughs> and he looks fucking oh, crazy. Oh, dear. Here he is
0: from back that's, in the day. That's quite a oh look. <laughs> oh dear. Dear indeed.
1: There's not yeah. enough pixels in these. <laughs> perhaps but you know there's great, too many.
2: You know what's great about uh, the movie that he's from um, is he's from a movie called Tim Ritter's Killing Spree. N- not he. You know He plays the main character in it and I don't think he ever was in another movie again. Um, but uh, he's it's a movie about a slow descent into madness, right? His girlfriend, he, he gets he goes crazy because he thinks he's cheating on her or she's cheating on him, vice, vice versa. Um and you think like, okay, so that look is after he's gone crazy, right? Nope, he looks that way at the start of the movie. <laughs> I don't know why. That's it's a choice just they made. Weird. It's a choice that they made cuz they could have slicked back his hair or done or shaved his fucking beard or anything. But nope, starts off the film looking like that. <laughs> as best as felt cool. I don't know. Um but that's what I'm going for is rag- ragged toughness. That's what I want. So, I'm seeking it out.
0: All right. Okay. Sounds good and then we can take that list or a, a similar list to Caleb as well and see who you have to add. All
3: right. Um, well, as, uh, Sealy, I've done this a couple of times for, uh, um, for child characters. I am let's cast just an unknown as Seely, like purposely go for someone who's not been in a movie before. Just have, just have that. Um, as Taffa, I have Fiona Shia, um, X I E. I hope I'm pronounced that correctly. Might not be she was in Crazy Rich Asians um, uh, I did go ahead and cast the two knights that we see in the vision and I wanted just really tall people um, so I went with Lindsay K. Hayward as the first one uh, I, uh, was in the WWE for a little bit um, and then I have Alfred Enoch as the second one um, who is known as playing uh, Dean in the Harry Potter films and I just want to say Everyone paid attention when the last Harry Potter movie came out, and everyone was like, ooh, Neville got hot. Matthew Lewis turned out to be hot. Look up Alfred Enoch. He had quite the glow up. He, <laughs> he deserves to be talked about, too. You're right. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> um, uh, Justin, you did uh, recommend trying to possibly cast the voice um, that mm-hmm. uh, Downar is hearing and because we don't have like a physical description i don't know if we're ever going to get to see whatever character this is um i may change this later but i wanted someone who i know is good at voice acting and has a really cool voice but also is going to have a good amount of gravitas um if we ever get to see this character in the flesh so beth fulfilling your wishes i believe from when you said in a previous episode he's got to go somewhere yes i think we're gonna have daniel day kim as the voice here hell yeah uh we'll see if that pays off, but that's that's where I'm slotting him in, him in for now. Um As Harl, the the poor uh fella whose daughter dies, I have Denis Manouche, who I mostly know as the uh farmer at the beginning of Inglorious Bastards. I feel like he could probably give some really sad screams of despair. Um and for Miasol, the girl who does die, you probably think, let's cast another unknown actress. No, I'm getting all of the Five Nights at Freddy's child actors in this movie <laughs> if I can. Jophiel Love as Mia <laughs> <laughs> You're damn right. <laughs> I know they're good at it. Um, so yeah, Jophiel Love as Mia Saul. Um, as Haber, I'm gonna, I, I might change this as well because this is another, for me, someone that I want to make sure has a really fun, strong role. But I'm putting Tony Revolori um, who is known for Grand Budapest Hotel and as Flash in the new Spider-Man movies. Um, he has a fun and youthful vibe, and Hopper seems like he's he's just kind of... He's happy to be around and to be included. Um, for Dabid, I have Mason Gooding, um, who I saw recently in uh, the Scream reboot. Um, and as Navani, I had a lot of thoughts, and my gut said Michelle Yeoh, but... I feel like I can't really see Michelle Yeoh being that devious. She just seems too nice. So I'm going to go with a, a, a little, uh, uh, go with my second pick who I think I'm now more and more happy with. I'm going to go with Ming-Na Wen, um, famous for being the original voice of Mulan and has mm. had some pretty big live action roles in agents of shield and the Mandalorian. Um, um, yeah, I think she's she's hot and she's cool and she's charismatic <laughs> and i want to see more of her so i'm putting her in that
1: role if we combine your two cast lists she and abraham ben ruby can have an er reunion she was an <laughs> er for a while as well God damn it. Uh,
0: <laughs> i do remember uh her being the answer to a trivia question uh this was quite a while ago though i don't know if this list has actually expanded at all uh, of being, oh, I know what it's gonna be. the yeah. The only actor to be in a mainline Disney movie, the MCU, and Star Wars.
3: Yeah, i I think she's. I think she still might be the only one. Yeah, I don't know that for Dad, sure, but
1: I don't. I can't think of anyone else.
3: Yeah, she's got the. She's got a really solid trifecta there. Oh, um, uh, oh no, I don't know if he's been in any mainline Disney. I was gonna say Andy Serkis, but um, I don't. I don't know if he's been in uh any of the classic Disney's?
1: Does Alan Tudyk count?
3: Always for
0: for doing the chicken?
1: <laughs> yes, he went to Juilliard. He oh, did yeah,
3: go like, to he's Juilliard. He's been in a ton of them. He's actually he's like the Disney good luck charm. He's been in almost every mainline Disney movie since Wreck It Ralph, I think.
0: That's true. I think the original um the original question I saw actually uh, was even more specific in that uh, she played a Disney princess. That's a very exclusive list. Yeah. Right.
1: Alan Tudyk has not played at Disney. He hasn't no. been in the MCU. What I, was gonna say, I was going to say, I was brainstorming. I just wanted to talk about Alan Tudyk.
3: As, as we always do.
0: <laughs> I mean, we, we are going to get to a, a future book uh, where I know... I mean, we, we first started talking about this, Beth and I did, several years ago, when a uh, partial Firefly reunion casting was a little more practical uh but there is a book that we will get to where we can put like five or six firefly actors in there
1: <laughs> i was very focused when i was making that cast list yes
0: all right uh yeah we've uh, we've gone through the uh the new cast uh, and that means we get to look forward. Uh, we had seeing Delnar's first vision may have have prompted some, or the first one that we've seen. I think he said this was the twelfth. That may prompt some some things to uh, to investigate here. Uh, we also have the the political maneuverings that we can we can see what the outcome of that is going to be. Uh, so Sam, if you want to to start this one as well, we can we can try to see what's going to come up next. Sure.
2: I just have a couple. Um, although, first, I do want to say uh, I'm quite glad that I'm supposed to be pissed off at the way Bridgman are treated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's was, a relief. I was confused at first because I was like, this is bullshit, right? Like, is this supposed to be bullshit? <laughs> Thank you, Brandon, for confirming, yes, this is supposed to be bullshit. Okay. Feels good. All right. So, uh, I, I, I know... Caleb probably called on this more than i I did, but I think we both highlighted it as a thing that was happening um I think Cal's tapping the spheres without realizing it again, kinda you know Caleb went into more detail um I think it's a little bit broken record to call it luck again, <laughs>
1: <laughs> capital l
2: <laughs> yeah uh but the we the weird thing that stuck with me here is why they became done despite Cal not being on bridge runs at the time so what i mean by that is um the first time he sees that the spheres are done are it's uh he gets the spheres from gaz and then he basically immediately goes to the apothecary and then one of the spheres is done already or maybe the jump was further than that but that's how it kind of read to me was that it was just boom boom so i could be wrong
1: that's, that's true that's what, I, I,
3: yeah. I i think you're reading that right of like there might have been a little bit amount of time but like there have been two separate scenes where kaladin has gone hey my spheres are done that's weird and there's only been one scene where i i think we can point to and go okay something weird and probably magical happened there so i'm curious if it's maybe like an ambient effect of he can absorb the stormlight
2: without realizing it
3: but then he doesn't have to use it until later
2: i don't know yeah yeah, just a thing to keep an eye on, I guess. Yeah. Uh and then the last one is uh Sadius is gonna find Dalinar guilty pretty quickly. Uh and then he's gonna jump in the honor chasm, and then everyone will agree to change the name to Shithead's Pit and start dumping their stinkiest trash in it, and Sadius's <laughs> bloated corpse will be buried by rotten food and sewage and cans of natty light because the Lefty don't recycle and love drinking <laughs> shitty beer. The end <laughs>
1: My favorite part of that rant will unfortunately be lost in our audience of just seeing your waveforms slowly expand <laughs> <laughs> as your range and volume increased.
2: <laughs> God damn it. I hate Sadia so much. <laughs> I hate him. Sadia Sadias. I hate whatever your name is. However you pronounce it. It doesn't matter. You're garbage. <laughs> Bad man. Anyway. Yeah, that's it. I'm just... I'm just along for the ride at the moment. I just want to see what happens next. Readin'. Also, we had a very short turnaround.
0: <laughs> we did, yes. We, we yeah. That's uh, true. We have been rapidly proceeding through this book.
2: And uh, I don't know if the audience knows this, but uh, a common refrain to Discord is me saying I have yet to open the book. And uh, that's because I take my sweet-ass time. So... Um, <laughs> I wasn't rushed. I agreed to this time, and I don't regret agreeing to this time, but I just didn't have much to think of. So
0: It's all right. I I think uh, your uh, prediction slash willing into existence of sadius's future made it worth it. <laughs> I agree.
1: <laughs> Manifest.
0: Manifest. All right. We'll we'll see. Uh, th- the funny thing is that. Uh, in a in a similar fashion to the still unknown uh, fate of serene's mom Uh, this has the potential to persist well past this book Uh, as as long as sadius is alive we can join sam in rooting for him to not be alive
3: yes yes Um, also justin thank you for acknowledging that her fate is currently unknown and that it's really up in the air and it could be anything i appreciate you confirming that that there's no way of knowing which of us is right until we get further information.
0: Hey, Caleb, what's up with those epigraphs?
3: What's up
1: with (laughs) these fucking epigraphs, (laughs) (laughs) Justin? Jesus. I'm actually going to
3: bookend some epigraph thoughts because I'm actually going to start with the faces. Because I know I joked earlier that this probably means nothing. However, I've picked up on a couple of things, um, which is that there's the jester who is not, as I was noted earlier, is not included in the ring of ten uh, on the first couple of pages of the book. That one has to be like any chapter with an offworlder, and more specific, I still think has to, the chapter has to do with Hoyd. That's if I'm right about Wit being Hoyd. I might be wrong about that. I'm almost sure Wit is an offworlder. I don't know for sure if he's Hoyd. I I just feel like he might be. Um, but that's what the gesture indicates. It means there's some off-worlding happening at some point. Um, and then there's the face that I've deemed Ave Maria. It is the feminine face with a hood. Um, that one seems very tied to chapters that deal with healing. Every time Kaladin does something related to surgery, um, every time there's a like a flashback chapter with Liran in it, that face always pops up. And then the most generic and straightforward one, and it's weird because this is the least specific, there's the king it's the bearded man with the crown which seems tied to if there's a king in the chapter um it seems mostly tied to dalinar who technically is not king but most of his chapters are closely related to elokar so that also checks out um there's one exception there's one kaladin chapter that has the king face on it and i i truly don't know why maybe i need to reread that whole chapter and see what's going on there but Those three faces, I've actually got something. I I think I might have something as to why they are what they are. Uh, And then also, bald man with a beard might be tied to uh, the Ardents. Um, But yeah, anyways. That's what I've got there. We're going to circle back to the actual epigraph epigraphs, um, because I think those are the most interesting ones to talk about. So I I actually want to go through some of my other minor ones first. Um, The question was brought up this episode of like, what are these flashbacks gonna be and how many are we gonna get. I'm just gonna make a, some some weirdly specific predictions. I think the next flashback and maybe the next two flashbacks are gonna be Kaladin in surgery school. Then there's gonna be a chapter where TN dies and Kaladin will feel guilt about it, but I also think it's probably going to be a light eyes' fault. I don't know how this would happen. But it seems like maybe Kaladin doesn't know which specific light highs he's supposed to be angry at in chapter one. So uh, maybe Tien dies under mysterious circumstances. I don't quite know. I think there's going to be another chapter where Kaladin joins the army against his dad's wishes in order to avenge Tien. And then I do think we are, and that's the lead up to chapter one, and I do think we will probably get a flashback to earlier in the main storyline of the book explaining what happened between chapter one and i think chapter two was just the next skeleton chapter of several months later mm-hmm. um i i think those dots need to be connected so i think a flashback chapter would be the way to do it and that would be our last flashback okay um what's what's calvin's plan i think sam actually touched on it um but i think we have similar um thoughts here of they're going to go looking for for reeds um uh and they're probably going to instead of uh kaladin just buying things from the apothecary he's going to try and barter and like give him some good medical supplies in exchange for stuff that is more specific to kaladin's needs um a detail that i might be wrong about and Elokar probably like just flat out told him um but uh it was interesting that, according to the conversation of Elokar recounting things, it seems like there might have been a, 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 a chance of Sidious knowing something was going wrong with the strap before anyone actually told him, which looks very suspicious. It could just be that like the conversation was more thorough than Elokar let on, and Elokar just told him, hey, I think the strap was was cut. But the way the information is presented, it almost seems like Sidious already knew the strap got cut possibly before anyone else did, besides Elokar, which is strange and suspicious. I don't know how how relevant the Midnight Essences are going to end up being. Um, I did pick up on the fact that they're apparently, like, their innards are all smoke, and when you wound them, they bleed smoke, which this might be irrelevant, but that reminds me of soul casting because the last time we saw a huge cloud of smoke, it was Yasna turning a rock into some smoke. So maybe smoke is like the go-to thing that you could make uh that you can do soul casting with because i remember also pointing out like surely mist would have been better smoke is very inconvenient it's bad for your lungs and it stays in the air until you get rid of it um if you're in a cave um so i think i think smoke is probably an important factor like some it is tied to soul casting in some way um, this is also something that's probably useless, but I was curious when I was like, is he breathing? No, he's smelling me. I'm just curious, like maybe they're f- smelling fear spren specifically. They're not actually smelling the humans, just like in the hit film After Earth that the monsters can smell your fear. I don't know. Could be fun. Um, oh, I should have said this earlier because it was related to the gesture thing. We skipped over this, but Wit very casually mentions one, eating a person, and two, being capable of killing every high prince in the area. Um which kinda comes out of nowhere and feels very hoity to me, so I'm still feeling like that's a that's a good possibility. Um but uh yeah, wit something's going on with Wit. I don't I don't what's what's going on with that guy? There's a point this is probably nothing again. Most of these are probably nothing. But there is a point where, um, uh, uh, Dalinar mentions, like, I think the food that he's being served. He says, or, no, no, it's the islands. He specifically sees the islands and he says, it reminds me of Selatalis. He had visited that region in his youth. Now there's a chance that the name has referred to the region, even though it doesn't refer to a specific country anymore. And that has passed down over the generations. However, if we're going solely by maps The fuck you did visit Celitalis, Dalinar? That's a silver kingdom. There's no country called that anymore. So, I don't... It could just be that that's just what the region is still called. But it would be really interesting if there's some weird mind-melding happening that Dalinar hasn't even noticed where he has been in a vision that has involved Celitalis, and he has just conflated that with one of his actual memories. That could be nothing? I think it would be really interesting if... Might happen and would be interesting if... um, he is he's remembering memories that aren't his. And also he has a weird fucked up memory, so that that seems plausible. Sure does. Um, I am going to follow up on uh, my theory from last week of, again, I don't have a lot of direct evidence for this, but if the Knight's Radiant somehow turned into the Parshendi, and that explains what happened to the Knight's Radiant and what's the deal with the Parshendi, those both can get answered by the same question. Uh, we learned from the vision that the Knights lived in Alothella, and we're like, hey, our job is to fight, like, basically injustice. We fight the battles, so no one else has to fight any battles. And we've also seen the modern-day Alethi kind of suck. They're kind of the worst. This has been established. We can all agree on this. Sam certainly agrees on this. Yep. Um, so, hey, if the Radiants got corrupted or turned evil for some reason, but they're still, like, at their core, the Knights Radiant to some degree... There's a pretty good motivation for you, um, of, as to why they would want to go to war with the Alethi, because if their main motivation is, hey, these are what the Alethi are supposed to be, and the actual current Alethi are doing fuck all about that, we know that the current Alethi don't really care about the codes, then yeah, I could see whatever the knights have turned into being like, all right then, fuck y'all, we're gonna fight you, and we're gonna maybe try to take over your country, because you're not doing a good job with it. Um... So again, no direct evidence, but if I happen to be right about the Knights for uh to uh Parshendi theory, it that also tracks with what you what we are learning about the Knights. So, that's fun. Um thoughts on this weird voice Dalinar is hearing. As I've mentioned, I don't know if we should trust it because Mistborn taught me maybe don't trust it. Um but also look, what the fuck's going on with Talonel? This could be Talonel, for all we know. He's a herald that has to keep doing the job since no one else is doing the job. Um, We know from the voice that we get in this chapter, he is different from the knights, but he does remember them being good and helping people. He says, I miss when the days were like this. Um, Some more questions than answered. Why would he only appear during storms? Does that, is that tied to when Harold showed up in the past? But also in the past, the Heralds showed up physically. And Tal- so, so because Talonel didn't give up the Oath Pact, you'd think he would still just show up normally like the Heralds did. So I don't know exactly what's going on there. Um, I am going to put some chips on an interesting theory in terms of can we trust the voice. I think not really, but not for the reasons you'd expect. I think the voice is probably good. But I also think... I don't know if the voice can hear Dalinar. It, with that question of, hey, tell me who you are, what's going on, and the voice just not answering any of the questions, I think it's very plausible that... The, here's the thing, there's two possibilities. The voice is an asshole who doesn't want to answer any of Dalinar's questions, or it can't hear any of the questions. And I, I, I don't want the voice to be an asshole, so I'm hoping that it can't hear. And this would be actually a tricky thing. It works perfectly well in text, And the, like the delivery of the line would have to be very subtle um, on the, uh, uh, if it was a cinematic adaptation, but he says, yes, it is very important. You don't let, like, this is important. Don't let strife consume you. That could absolutely just be someone thinking something to himself and going, yes, it's very important. You don't let strife um, uh, tear you apart. And it just happened to be poorly timed in response to Dalinar asking yes or no question that the voice couldn't hear. I think that would be a really interesting place to take the voice, and so because I think it's interesting, I'm going to put chips on that theory. Okay, what's the deal with these
0: epigraphs, man? What is the deal with these epigraphs, man?
3: We're not even going to get to the the super interesting thing yet, because I also, (laughs) but it is relevant to the epigraphs. Uh. It is mentioned, uh, uh, Taffa says the phrase three gods as like an exclamation, which reminds me of an epigraph we've gotten in part one, three of 16 ruled, but now the broken one reigns. So what is that? What does that mean in relation to everything? Back then there were three gods, but that's apparently not the case anymore. Is race the broken one? Or does the broken one refer to this super dangerous shard? Does it refer to the shard on Roshar? Because capital S shard, it seems like there should only be one on every planet. So why do they keep talking about these shard swords and shard plate and shard blades? Where do those come from? What I think might be happening, because it's been mentioned that the shards can splinter, I think maybe what the characters are referring to as shards are actually splinters. They're tiny little pieces of the, the divinity. Um, but if, if people on Roshar were to meet folks like Hoyt and other offworlders, those people would go, stop calling them shards. Those are not full-on shards. You don't know what a shard is. That's just a little tiny piece. Um, but yeah, I just I saw the phrase three gods and that reminded me of three of 16 rolled but now the broken one reigns, which sounds very threatening and concerning. But now to the big boy, because, Justin, you informed us last time what the deal with Atti is. And if that's what the line of conversation is about in this letter, we, we learned something in the Elantris Ars Arcanum about Cell and their gods, and how they're dead. They're dead. The gods on Cell are dead. And if Atti is what Attium is named after... I can only imagine what might be named after Aeona. Um That seems like that's probably in reference to the god or goddess uh, uh, who was in charge of Aeondor. And then if we're tracking that, not that we know much about them, but Sky could probably be related to the Skaze, if if that is the naming convention for a lot of magic things is they are often named after their gods. There's definitely a couple connections there. And uh, yeah, both of them are dead, and we know that the gods of cell are dead, so that seems like that's what that's probably referring to. Which then also, now we finally get into just, here are some questions, um, or one of the big unanswered questions of Elantris is, okay, what actually caused that giant chasm to appear? We know that was the cause, and the effect was the Shayod, but we don't know the cause of that cause. So was it this race asshole who did that, maybe? Like, that would be a very good way. Like, that's a very good thing you can point to and be like, hey, yeah, race did that. That means this is a problem. But there's a question of, well, actually, we don't have the question of why. We know, according to the letter writer, it's because he doesn't want anyone rising up against him. Um, But there's also a weird timeline thing there, because also, according to the Ars Arcanum, the gods are long dead. So that's probably something that happened a while ago. But the Sha'od happened quite recently when we read Elantris. So I could be wrong about the Chasm thing, but I do probably think um, uh, Aeona and Sky are uh, cells gods and race is the one that killed them, which is concerning. That also draws more questions that I don't have answers to of like, okay, the person who writes the Ars Arcanum Seems to feel informed and confident that the gods have been dead for a long time, but did not elaborate as to why or how. This letter writer seems to know that as well. But if it's but if the letter writer is Hoyd, and Hoyd is also Wit, Wit sure is just kind of sitting around and doing nothing. He doesn't seem to be having much urgency. So that leads me to think, in terms of Hoyd is the letter writer, Hoyd is Wit one of those two those two don't seem to quite add up but i also want them to be true because i think that's fun i don't have any further answers for you i'm just asking the questions and i don't expect to get answers for a while
0: that's my job though
3: i know but yeah that's all i got
0: okay yeah i uh i was expecting i i think when i was uh when I was going through which epigraphs we were going to get to in which chapters, I think I may have slightly jumped the gun on if we had gotten through uh, hearing about AT and then hearing about Aona and Sky, we might've been able to kind of go deep on all those. Uh, but
3: Right, yeah. I'm curious how... I- I'm feeling pretty confident about the Aona and Sky thing, but I'm curious how many of those debts I could have connected because a lot of that was... Well, if the thing about Ati is true, then the next couple of sentences might also be about God. So I, I'm, I'm curious how much I could have pieced together, um, but I, 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 it's, it, is, it is very fun to see some of these dots get connected.
0: I would have to agree. All right. Uh, that does, I believe, take us to the end of our episode here. Uh, we are going to be going onwards uh, in next week's episode. We have another four chapters. That's 23, 4, 5, and 6. Uh, and then following that, there will be just two long chapters to wrap up the section. So we're, we're getting awfully close. We're going to get to see the the kind of variety of scenes that we've seen in our next episode. Uh, and then I think two very important and uh Two very important chapters that I like quite a bit to, to wrap things up. But uh, yeah, next episode, 23, 4, 5, and 6. Uh, and we will be talking about that one next week here on Always Another Podcast. Which includes our website, alwaysanotherpodcast.com. Uh, our email for contacting us. That's contact at alwaysanotherpodcast.com. Uh, as well as our various forms of social media. We have our Twitter, always another pod Instagram, always another pod uh, and Mastodon at always another pod at kind.social. Uh, those all have uh, some things that you can, you can see there. Uh, the email is the best. If you want to uh, reach out to us about future Cosmere stuff that you're looking forward to, or that sort of thing or theories that you're uh, excited to see either correct or incorrect uh, from Sam and Caleb, the uh the the social media sites are great for keeping up to date with our episodes and also seeing some uh, uh some creative endeavors from beth and caleb who are responsible for those and also probably a generous way
3: to term those
1: <laughs> i was gonna say most of the alt text of my last posts was me apologizing for sliding into tired delirium
0: <laughs> and there will also be pictures of my dog so that's good too Yay. yeah yeah uh, but yeah, that'll do it here, I think. And uh, we will uh, hopefully not entirely be buried in snow. And if that does happen, we'll read a book.
2: <laughs> we got a lot left.
3: Sure. We do. We do. Sure I want do. more shalon I want more interludes. I, we I, I got to get through more of this book so I can read more of the book. <laughs>
0: well, I've got good news for you on what can happen as soon as we finish this recording.
3: I'm gonna
1: go read some book,
0: Justin. Alright. I'm gonna
2: pass read. out.